And now, and now, introducing the one, the only. Now let me introduce to you lively talk with successful people, barely filtered. This is the Jenna Ben Show. All right, all right. Thank you for tuning in, guys. This is a very special one because only one year ago, I started interviewing MMA fighters, and here we are for my 75th show with the sweet badass UFC light heavyweight Hall of Famer, Sugar Rashad Evans, who earned two fight of the nights, two knockout of the nights, and knockout of the year against Chuck Liddell. Welcome, Rashad. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing really good. Uh, it's good to be here. Good to be here. Good to be on the 75th show. You know, that's a huge accomplishment. Congratulations to you. Thank you. You know, I feel it. I know, listen, 75 in the grand scheme of things, you look at guys like Joe Rogan, it's not much, but I'm making headway. I mean, I got I got you as a beast on the show, and I had your friend Anthony Smith on, who uh, we're going to talk about in a little bit, but I'm glad to have you here. And, um, and yeah, so, but first I want to talk to you about the change that's been happening in the world over the last three months. I mean, we've gone through quarantine, we've gone through protests, a major Black Lives Matter movement. I know, what are your thoughts? Oh man, it's um, it's uh, it's some trying times, you know. But these are the times that um, that I feel like everything has been building up to, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel as if um, we're at a pivotal moment where we can make some key decisions to either propel us forward and 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 have us progress in a nation, in a world where. Um, where, where we are um, experiencing those things that we wish to experience as far as human equality, you know, mm-hmm. at, at the very basis. Um, then I feel we have, we have a good way, you know, if, if we answer the bell and do this right, we have a good way of amending those problems. But if we don't, then I think we, we, uh, we slip, you know, further into despotism and, um, and there may be no turning back for our future generations. Mm. Well, I hear you, and you're a really articulate speaker. I'm, I'm actually really excited to get your opinion on a lot of things now. You know, Anthony Smith, I, I can't wait to get to that part of the show just because he's such a great guy, and he spoke so highly of you, but I'm going to keep y'all waiting. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Art, how have you been spending your quarantine time? Have you, have you learned anything about yourself during this period? Yes, I learned a lot about myself. You know, um, it, it's, it's something that... Uh, once you, once you um, lose control or the control that you think you have over a certain situation, um, mm. then it allows you to to to, um, to to realize that you know the only thing that you can control is what goes through your mind, and then that becomes your main focus on just how do you maintain that emotional chemistry where you don't get yourself too too excited or, or too in the dumps about anything you're able to always bring yourself back to an even even position because good or bad no matter the situation it all depends on how you're looking at the outcome and good or bad you know you, you can pull out the, the the best out of a of, of a bad situation and um and i know that because some of my greatest my greatest accomplishments in my life has been on the heels of my biggest defeats so you know mm. There's a, there's a lot that could you know to be learned from situations like this. Yes, and the strong will prevail, right? Because mm-hmm. strength. I mean, I I talk to so many fighters, and people look at fighters and just assume that 
you know, it's all about mental strength, but really a huge component is that psychological strength. And that's what keeps you going in the cage when you feel like you're out of gas or you're hurting or whatever it is. So I feel you on that. Um, I want to jump right in because here on the Jenna Ben show, we get into my guest professional stories, you know, how you made it, what now, what's next, and the wisdom that you've acquired along the way. And I already know you're going to have some legit wisdom to share with us. So you're 40 years old now, but take us way back to when you were a boy in Niagara Falls, New York. What were you like as a kid? Man, um, I was rowdy. I was a rowdy kid. You know, I was one of those kids who, um, who was, uh, either going to get in some trouble or do something good, you know, and, and I got my, my fair share of both of those in, instances. Uh, I was lucky to, um, you know, to, to, to be on the end of situations where I wasn't, uh, you know, in trouble for the things that, that you know, for, for some of the bad things that I've done. Mm. But, um, you know, back then growing up, all those things that, that, I was involved with, you know, it, it helped me to to grow and be the person that I am today. You know, growing up, I didn't have a lot. You know, we we didn't have a lot. I was one of nine kids, and uh, you know, we we had each other. We had each other, and I didn't really understand how poor I was just because we were all going through it, and we all were in that same in that same mental space. So we we were always able to um, to 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 feed off each other and feed that feel, feel the love off each other. So mm. that kept us, that kept us from, um, from suffering for the most part, but it, it's that toughness that you feel growing through those, those uh, ups and downs. And when you're going through those positions where you, you know, you don't have it growing up where you realize what the true fabric of life is about, you know, and, and, and having had that experience, I know, I know as an adult, you know, I could, I could lose everything and still be okay because I, I understand that the value are not in the things, the value is, is in the, the being, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And experience, I mean, at the end of the day, we leave this earth with, with our, well, our moments before we leave, all we have are our memories, right? We can't take Absolutely. our stuff with us. And so nope. it, we're really just on a journey of acquiring experience and wisdom. Yes. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I saw I saw that TV special with your family from a million years ago. Your grandma was the cutest. Miss oh, Goose Fest. I was like, well, <laughs> she's probably the only person that could get away with saying that to you and not get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was that was a good time. You know, my grandmother, bless her heart. She's uh, she's passed on. Um, just this past uh, February, right? Past February, yeah, she passed February, on, but. It was a, uh, um, it was good though. It, it it was, it was it was good to 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 look at that video and just remember that she she was there for so much of my life and she was there, you know, uh, a big part of my journey, a big part of of why I became so tough. You know, my grandmother used to, uh, she 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 was tough on us. You know, she she would give us a lot of love, but at the same time, you know, she was she was tough on us, and, and it was always about those lessons in life where. She wanted us to understand, um, you know, what the true nature of life is. She would always have a thing where she says, uh, you know, don't forget to pray. Don't forget to pray. She would always tell us, don't forget to pray. No matter what happens in your life, always remember that that going inside and, and just, you know, having that reflection with yourself, with God is is the all you need to bring you back to your your uh, your factory settings, you know. Mm, she kept you grounded. 
Very much so. Very much so. It's so that's so important. It's so easy to get lost in the day to day shuffle, and you know we're all just kind of really looking to survive every day. And yeah, we have goals for the future, but if we don't kind of see the big picture, it's easy to get lost, right? Yes, yes, and it it, it, it so is. And um, you know, it, it's one of those things. Like um, now that I've I've been through the the the, uh, the whole thing, you know, I've been on that ride. I can see, I can see where, um, you know, where, where she was so right at, you know what I'm saying? I can just see it. And, uh, and I wish, and I wish I can go back and make some different decisions, but at the same time, I wouldn't be where I am right now. And I'm, and I'm very happy at where I am right now. It's just, it's just that when, once you, once you go through it, you just like, oh, that's what they were saying, but it's too late sometimes, you know? And I've yeah. I've had I've had my many situations with uh, with having those moments. If there was one moment that you could go back and change without it affecting your current standing, what would it be? Um, I guess you know I, I would I would uh, I would be more active. You know, I felt as if like I felt as if like um, I got caught up in the game of the MMA too much about you know about uh, about you know, just the whole, the whole politics side of it, you know, not taking this fight for whatever reason and, mm. and, and, and things like that. You know, I, I think I've spent a lot of time, um, just, just trying to make sure that, that I was getting my worth and I wasn't being taken advantage of that. I didn't, that I didn't really, um, that I allowed it to take away from just the love for competing, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, I was, I was, I love to compete. I love to do this to the point where I was, I I was doing it for damn near for free. You know what I'm saying? And I will mm. fight two or three guys a night in tournaments, and that was and that was the genesis of me becoming a fighter. You know, and and if I look at that contrasting to where where I was, you know, when 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 things started going well, you know, I kind of got to the point where, you know, um, I allowed myself to just kind of get just just caught up with the whole, the whole, uh, political side of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's tough because the show aspect is what sells tickets and it's what keeps your name out there and you get caught up because you think that that's necessary to kind of keep your success. But yeah. you're saying, you know, you just wish you took more fights, you were more active and, yeah. and I understand that, but you know what, you're 40 years old, you've got time ahead of you and you're wise as hell. So, you know, I have faith that you're still going to make some big moves in your lifetime. Thank you. I, lo I love that it's such a new sport that I still get to talk to guys like you and you're out here mentoring the younger generations and, but I want to go back. So you started wrestling at a young age and from the sounds of it, you treated your mama's living room like a wrestling ring. Like whoever <laughs> entered the home had to pay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what it was like too. Like uh, my sisters are, you know, seven, six years older than me and they would have a, their boyfriends come over and every boyfriend that came over you know, they would literally have to beat the hell out of me to get me to, to stop, to stop, <laughs> to stop, you know, always jumping on them and always, you know, always trying to fight them. And that's what, that's what it was. You know, it was, uh, that's, that's what I love to do. I love to fight. I love to wrestle. And I would, and I would, um, I would beg for those guys to fight me, you know, I would beg for them to beat me up. And, uh, it, it's, it's one of those things that, 
that um, I look back now and I'm just like, you know, when I think of those, the mentality that made me a fighter, I'm just thinking like, man, I was a fighter way before I even, before I even realized it just because that was in me for so long, you know? Yeah. But it sounds like you still had love, like you weren't, I, I never got the vibe, you know, and like your reputation is kind of like you're more of a lover, even though you're a fighter, but it's because of yeah. your love, love, it's for your love of the sport, yeah. not because you are angry and you have to unleash. Yeah, you're right about that. I was never one of those fighters who could, um, who could even compete, man. I, I, I can, I can actually remember all the times I got mad inside of a fight, you know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. I, I would never get, I would get, never get mad. And I, it was always just about me having fun, trying to trying to clown my opponent for thinking that he had a chance to even sign the contract to fight <laughs> me. And that and that was my mindset. My mindset, oh, I'm gonna try to clown this dude. He think that he got a chance to even to even compete with me. He signed a contract, <laughs> and um, that's that's what I would that's that's how I would uh, approach a fight. It was never with the mindset I was like uh, of me thinking that you know I'm super you know, um, I'm an angry dude because I never could fight like that. Well, that's smart because you're playing chess versus checkers, you know, right. like, like you should never battle anyone, whether it's, you know, in a courtroom and in, in an office conference room or in the cage angry because you're not mm -hmm. thinking clearly. So absolutely wise man. Okay. So you wrestled in high school and college. So why the transition into MMA? Did you just feel like your wrestling days were up or MMA was like the new hot thing? Well, when I started, it wasn't even called MMA. It was called NHB, No Holds Bar. Mm. And I kind of, I got into it uh, just just by like default, to be honest. Like it was, I was working at a, um, at a bar my friend's father owned and a fight broke out and I'm breaking up the fight. And as I'm breaking up the fight, I hear one of the patrons in a bar say, oh, he had him in a rear naked choke. So at that point, that, that piqued my interest. So then I, I then, uh, after we uh, took care of the situation, I go back over to the guy and I'm like, hey, you said something about uh, rear naked choke. And I was like, how do you, how do you know about uh, NHB? Or I said, I said how, do you, how do you know about um, fighting? And then he was like, oh, well, I, I, do, I do NHB at this gym in Lansing. And he was talking to me about this guy who he trained with, who fought Chuck Liddell in his first fight, and his, his name was Noe Hernandez. And he was saying that, um, you know, they train alongside Noe Hernandez, and and I should go and join him. Now at the time, I was a uh, a high school wrestling coach, and I was um, making that transition from being a competitive college wrestler to to now giving back to the sport by helping out some um, some kids. And I really loved it. I really loved coaching. Uh, coaching, I was like, I was a natural coach. And I've been a natural coach because I've been blessed to have net good coaches. So when you're blessed to have good coaches, all you want to do is just pass on that same good feeling that you had, you know? So I always wanted to be one of those coaches. But I felt like I had a hard time being the best coach that I could be because I was still so competitive, you know, having not achieved my highest standards in wrestling in, 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 in college. So I felt like I was too competitive to be the, the great coach that I could be. So I was like, I need to do something to knock this competitive edge off. So when that guy told me about this gym in Lansing, Michigan, that they trained, and I was like, dude, I got I to gotta get on this. So him and I exchanged information, and um, he came and picked me up. It was like the following. It was, that was a weekend, so he picked me up the Monday. And we went to this gym, 
And it wasn't like a gym like you see nowadays. First of all, it wasn't a gym at all. It was in his warehouse, this nasty, dilapidated warehouse no. where you see it look. It was in a bad part of Lansing. It was underneath the a bridge next to some train tracks in a bad part of town where people get <laughs> shot and killed all the time. Oh, yeah. And and um, it, it was called the Bean Building, the John Bean Building. No one, go, no one even wanted to go there, right? People didn't even know the place was even open. So we go to this building and it looks like I'm about to get robbed and get set up. And I'm just like, ah, it's whatever. I don't really have anything. So it's like, whatever. So as we, as we get into the building walking up, you know, I started to hear, uh, you know, you know, people working out and I hear like bags get hit and I hear, huh, 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 you know, so as I get closer, I just hear it getting louder and louder. And then I open the room and then boom, the wave of funk just hit me, a small room. Ooh, you know, it was a yeah. small room, but it was a funky small room, you know? <laughs> and this room was probably about, it was probably about nine by 12 feet, you know, not really, not really terribly big at all, but just big enough where about six or seven guys can be in there at the same time. And um, that's what it was, it was about six guys on the mat and they were, um, they were doing drills, you know? And it was, I, I watched for like, the first half and then the second half they did some jujitsu and grappling and then that's where me being a natural wrestler where i found my home so once i started doing that i was hooked and i was like man this, this is it for me and from that day on all i thought about was just mma and thought about being a fighter and and i would fantasize about it all the time i, w I was working at a, at a hospital and i would watch fights all night while i'm on my shift you know, thinking about when I get off about training. Well, look at you. You really accomplished your, your biggest goal in life, right? I mean, at yeah. that point, and that's more than a lot of people can say. And it's really cool that you, like you were on a mission and you managed to achieve that goal. Cause a lot of us, and speaking for myself personally, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I kind of just kept getting by. And I mean, I did well. I was, I, my last real job was a COO, for uh, was as COO for a residential real estate company, but it wasn't, it didn't like fulfill me. And even then I still like, I just kind of fell into everything. So I'm a little envious that you knew what you wanted to do and you went after it. And I guess I can sort of relate in that, you know, I'm doing this now and, and I didn't know I wanted to do it, but now that I'm doing it, I love it. So. Yeah. And that, see, that's, that's the thing right there is it, finding that, that thing and just going for it. 100%. And that was, that was, uh, that was it for me. Like, I didn't really like, like I, I, people would always ask me, what do you want to do in five years? What do you want to do in 10 years? What do you want to do? And, and then put a time up. And I always would say, I don't know. But when that happened, like when I, when I found fighting, I knew, I knew I was like, this, this is it. Like I knew at that point where, you know, I was, I was ready to, to, to die. To, to, to pursue this dream. And that's all I wanted to do. Mm. So you did well enough to catch the attention of the Ultimate Fighter 2, where you competed till the end. And then you earned a three-year contract with the UFC, which this is around like 2005, 2006. So I know that it wasn't like, I always ask fighters to describe the feeling when they got that contract with the UFC. And at the time it wasn't as big. So it probably wouldn't be the same experience as today. But what was it like? Like knowing that you get to pursue your dream, it it was phenomenal because like at that point, like I never knew um, how it was going to be as far as you know what to expect because at the time it was just the first season past the Ultimate Fighter show, 
and um, you know their their careers wasn't you know it wasn't what it is right now as far as you know like it wasn't like a foregone conclusion that these guys were going to become stars you know now 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 you see that the pattern has been set it's kind of an expected thing but back then it was just kind of like you know you're getting an opportunity to fight on a show and that's it so when i got an opportunity to fight on a show i was looking forward just to, to competing and, and just being able to have a chance for people to see me fight because back then i would i would i would only fight on the weekends and and, and if i was lucky i'll be able to have a videotape to show everybody at work hmm. and, that, and that was and that was it i just wanted to show people that you know that i could fight you know i never thought it would be I never thought it would be what it what it turned out to be. I never thought it'd be what it turned out to be. Even matter of fact, even after I won the show, like I remember my uh, my mother in law, she ended up telling me, she's like, "Okay, so you're gonna get a normal job afterwards," and, and I and I didn't get offended behind it because at the time, that's what that was, that's what it was. You know, it wasn't a way to make a living like that. You know. Yeah, and six figures. Even though you got a six figure contract, I mean for three years, you know, if that wasn't like real money as people talk about it today. No, not, not at all. Not, not like people talk about it today. You know, um, you know, you look at, looking at, looking at these, these guys like, uh, you know, Conor McGregor and these guys mm-hmm. like Habib, you know what I'm saying? That's no money to, to what they're getting, you know? Yes. So I was scrolling through your Instagram and I saw that animation of you and Rampage arguing. <laughs> did, you, did you really kiss him after y'all took turns calling each other little bitches? No, no, that was funny though, right? That, that was, was hilarious. Uh, I was like, is that how he got his nickname? Sugar, give a kiss. You like? <laughs> nah, that's that's not that that what that didn't happen like that. But uh, it, it was it was pretty close. It was pretty dang close to how it happened. Like just. <laughs> Just in each other's space like that, but that was the funniest. That was one of the funnest things. Looking back at that season and and looking at the whole feud with me and Rampage, that was one of the funnest things that I ever got a chance to do because it um it allowed me to 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 feel that that pressure, that back and forth pressure, that that in in your face, never escaping that you know that 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 beef it was my first beef Hmm. like serious beef like that and i and i enjoyed it and then you i mean you guys are friends right yeah now now we're friends and even we even did a movie together Hmm. we did a movie together and um it's exciting because you know haven't had you know having beef with him for so long and then now to come out on the other side of all that and we be cool that's like okay, you know, it, it's a true, um, a true one eighty and, and uh, true just growth and development on both of our parts. I love it. You're so mature, and I, I'm starting to understand what Anthony Smith, uh, Anthony Smith said about you. But um, we'll get into that shortly. I just want to know first, how did you get your nickname, Sugar? Uh, uh, my coach Mike Van Arsdale, man. We were, um, you know. Uh, Big fans of old school boxing, and uh, you know he always tried to get me to throw my technique and my punches the way, you know, like how Sugar Ray Robinson and those guys used to back in the day with the snap on the punches. And one day we were sparring, and I had a good damn sparring session. He said, "You know what, Els? You know what? I'm gonna be honest, man. Today, 
You you did good today, Abs. You you reminded me of a a young Sugar Ray Robinson, man. Like mm-hmm. like like Sugar, man. I'm sorry calling you Sugar. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like one of those things he joked about and just kind of stuck. But um, that that was it. That was where it came from. And I thought it was because you're a sweetheart. See, I'm hopping <laughs> into this from Anthony's perspective because you and I had never met before. But yeah. I guess I guess both are true. Um, are you close with uh, Tiki? Tiki Gosen? Oh, Tiki. Yeah, I like Tiki. Tiki's a good dude, man. Tiki's a trip. So Andy Foster, the executive officer of CSAC, uh, we become good buds and he connected me with Tiki because, you know, I'll connect with, um, you know, managers and, and kind of get their fighters on the show. And so, you know, Tiki and I haven't worked together just yet, but we, we did connect last year. So, okay. So I want to jump in now. I've been waiting for this. Anthony Smith and I become buds just from his interview. Cause he's such a cool person. And I get the sense that he yeah, becomes yeah. besties with everyone. Cause he's just so easy to talk to. Yeah. Um, but okay. So your last fight was with Anthony Smith mid 2018 and um he came on the show 2 weeks ago and he caught me by surprise with the sweetest story about you and i'm not sure that it was a story that was as sweet as the love that was apparent as he spoke about you so here's a clip and i'm going to get your reaction right after Rashad has become i don't know how to put this without making Rashad sound old <laughs> Rashad <laughs> Rashad has become very much like a a mentor figure to me um, that's amazing. It, it's a really, yeah, it's a weird deal. You know, like I had a bunch of fights at 85 and then Rashad was my first fight at, at 205 in the UFC. So, you know, at the time, it, we, you know, there, I wouldn't say there was heat, but like we were very competitive, you know, we're both super sure. competitive and or Rashad Evans is full. He's, he's a man who, uh, he's a sweetheart. He's like very full of love. You just want, I'll, I'll give you a, a quick, a quick story about how good of a person Rashad is. Yeah. I come, I come to the desk, um, you know, like we get our call times or whatever. You know, we see each other. We got a big embrace, like, you know, hey, how are you doing? And I got a Red Bull in my hand. He doesn't say anything about me having the Red Bull. About an hour later, I pull up my Instagram and I have a, just a message from, from Rashad. And I'm like, dude, why don't, why don't you just call or text me? Or like, what are you messaging me on Instagram for? Mm. So I open it. It's like a 25 long, 25 minute long video about what energy drinks do to you, like physically, like what it does to your organs and your heart and your brain. Like he's that type of guy. Was it him speaking or was it something he sent to you from someone else? No, it was something he, he scrolled through Instagram to find this video that he had seen just to send it to me. That is so sweet. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to talk to him about that. Yeah, that is, that is like Rashada. And like we have these super deep talks about life and kids and, and like what the meaning of the world is. Like he is one of the most, he has one of the most interesting perspectives on life. Like every time I talk to Rashad, I feel like I just became a better person. Oh, and like I, 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 I think you're going to have that same experience. Like he, I, did, I feel like everyone in the world needs to have 20 minutes with Rashad Evans. Oh, you know, my God. I'm telling you, I know this sounds crazy because we fought and, and you know, what happened happened. And, and we joke about it on the desk sometimes. You know, he knows it makes me uncomfortable when they talk about our fight. You know, I just don't because I like Rashad. So it's like I don't like talking about it when he's around. Um, but I just I really believe that he's just he's a he's a he's an incredible human. All right. So what do you think? Oh, my gosh, man. That, you know what? When people ask me about like what what I want to be remembered for, like what they what what I hope my legacy is, and and that's it right there. It, it, it's it's things like 
Anthony said, because that that to me is the true mark of of an impact that you can have on life. You know what people can say about you when you're gone, when you're not around, and things like mm -hmm. that. And honestly, man, that that warmed my heart, man. And uh, mm -hmm. Anthony's one of those guys who I have tremendous amount of respect for and, and love for. You know, like um, you know, when, whenever I was, <laughs> whenever I sent him that. You know, I just I just want him to, to be his best. And I know that there is still another level that Anthony Smith can can hit, you know, and um, getting a chance to know Anthony uh, ha has been, you know, one, one of the biggest pleasures that I had uh, of, of last year, you know, um, because it, it was it was it was an awkward situation because I didn't know how I was going to feel about it, you know, um, you know, because, you know, I'm a competitive person and losing in my career and having my career in the way that it did, it doesn't feel good because I know that I'm better than, than, than I showed in the end. And there's nothing I can ever do to, to get that back, you know? So there's, there's that unsettledness that, that lies deep in, in me. And, and to, to say that I don't feel it, 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 it wouldn't be true. But at the end of the day, I got to, uh, to, 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 I guess, make like, peace, make peace that. with, yeah, move past it, you know, and, um, and establish a relationship with, uh, with Anthony. And honestly, man, I want, I want to, uh, I want, I want to get a chance to work with him and train with him and things like that and pass whatever knowledge I can on to him because mm. that's what it's all about for me. Oh, I love that. So are you a, a big health nut? You know, cause I, I myself, like I'm, I don't really, you know, like my vices I'd say yeah. are carbs and Tito's vodka, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Um, in my health nut, uh, I somewhat consider, yeah, I'm a health nut, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm a health nut. I'm just, I'm just health conscious. And, um, that's that's a big accomplishment for me because that's something that I n I never was even even at the height of my career, you know I I uh, would I would eat healthy but it was more like a userish type of way like I would do it because I, I wanted something from my body you know I wanted to I wanted to to peak for a fight it wasn't about just overall health and overall good living mm. and just and just about and just and just like how like right now, I eat for a feeling. Like right yeah. now, I eat and and I look and I and I and I know when I'm eating right because I feel a certain way by what I ate, and that's how I know I'm eating correctly. So for me, it's not hard for me to eat the things that that uh, that I need to eat in order to stay healthy because those are the things that make me feel good. So that that's been able to be something that. I've been able to hold on to once I once I cleaned out my body, but until you clean out your body, it's really hard to get to the point where you feel like, you know, where you feel like eating healthy or making healthy decisions to clean out your body is a chore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's almost like you need to experience it to really understand the importance of yes, it. Yes, that's it's exactly that's exactly it, and that's what I would mm -hmm. tell everybody. You really need to experience it from a, just a complete level all the way to because we don't know how good we're supposed to feel because we, we've been used to feeling the way that we've been feeling our whole entire lives right yeah. but when you start to feel how you feel when you um eliminate some of the foods that we eat 
then you start to feel a whole nother level of clarity, a whole nother level of, um, I I guess the best way to feel it is like you feel, you feel like this light, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's the best way to feel it. And, uh, it's something to be felt because when you explain it, you sound like a new age person that people are like, oh my gosh, you know, they, they just completely turn off. You know what I'm saying? They, they, you sound really new agey when you start speaking, but it, it's true. And now I'm with you. And, you know, they say that 70% of your emotional health, like your mental health actually comes from your gut. So it's mm-hmm. the stuff that we're putting into our bodies. And it's so hard to kind of wrap our heads around that because we're like, wait, huh, that's my stomach and my, and, and we just associate our mood with our brain. So we're like, okay, stomach is over here. Brain is up here. How are they possibly connected? But science shows that they are in fact, and all the junk that we put in has in effect on the chemicals that release happiness into our bodies. So yes. I'm with you, but Back to you, Sugar, because I want to talk about you retiring from the UFC after uh, fighting Anthony. Your contract was basically up, and it was a mutual decision between you and the UFC to release you of your commitment so that mm-hmm. you could fight for other promotions. And then yeah. in 2019, you were inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame, which is so badass. Like, what an honor. I'm not sure that there's a greater validation that you really made your mark in MMA and especially UFC history. So what was going on in your mind? You know, it, that was a um, very special accomplishment for me. Uh, you know, obviously, to be able to to, uh, to accomplish that, it, it, mean, it meant a lot. But just more importantly, which I didn't really expect, was the feeling of um, the feeling that I had of uh, of of just accomplishment to where I felt like being recognized by my peers was mm. was the most was one of the things that I didn't I didn't realize how happy I was going to like how how much that meant to me you know to be able to hear everyone tell me how much me competing and me giving it all meant to them that was one of those things where it was like wow I I I I hope that my accomplishments would amount to me becoming a UFC Hall of Famer one day but now having to now having this experience now having it actually being a reality I didn't expect the gift of just feeling the love that I received. And for me, that, that was, that was amazing. I mean, I bet, you know, when we, when I look at, um, I don't know why rap songs just came into my mind, but when I think of like songs from maybe 10 years ago, which was kind of my era with music, there's so much about money and cars and possessions. And I think that, it's not even then when people were so excited about their accomplishments in order to be able to afford these possessions. It's deeper than that. I think what it really amounts to is being envied and loved by your peers. Wouldn't you say? Yes. Yes, it it is because um, there is a, there is a, um, there's, there's a connection that we all have you know, that links us all together from a heart standpoint, you know, and we all can resonate with that feeling and what it's like to go out there and put it on a line and, and arrive at emotional roller coaster, you know, and by roller coaster, I mean, you know, sometimes you feel 
you know, so afraid to go out and, and sometimes you feel uber confident where you can, you know, beat the whole entire UFC roster in one mm. night. And, and you may feel like that at a moment's notice when you get ready to step on, you know, step in the octagon to fight and you don't know where your emotions going to take you. So to be able to have the belief in yourself and ride that emotional roller coaster is the fight is the is the rush it is the thing that makes us once we retire to jump back in it again and say i want to try that again because Mm -hmm. during that whole process is when you learn the most about yourself it's when you learn you know how how do you handle things when you're afraid how do you handle things when you when you feel like you're you're certainly about to be annihilated about to be destroyed about to be exposed you know what goes to your mind how do you handle yourself when all the chips are down, these are the things that you find out about yourself when it becomes fight day because there's nowhere else to go and everyone's looking at you. It's so funny that you brought that up just organically because that's something I discuss with fighters on the show consistently because every fighter has a different experience. And I love hearing the breakdown of how you internalize wins versus losses because you're out there putting it all on the line and you know, it's not just the millions of fans and possibly not fans that are giving you heat, but it's also the people in your fight camp that have basically given you their lives for the last like 10, 12 weeks. And then it's your friends and your family. And then of course, like looking at yourself in the mirror, you want that win. So, you know, walk us through the roller coaster of emotions that comes with like a win versus a loss. Yeah. um, It's, it's one of those things that like when you, you know, when you lose a fight, that resonates a lot more than when you win a fight. Sometimes when you win a fight, you know, and you can keep winning fights and all the reason why you're winning, you still can be losing because sometimes when you win, you win and the mistakes that you're making, you don't focus on them because you're winning, right? And then over a period of time, you keep on winning, but you're still making the same mistake. And then before you know it, you're going to meet, you're going to run into somebody Mm. who makes you and exposes that mistake that you've been able to get away with and you've been able to win, you know, and and that's the thing that makes winning and losing one of those, one of those things where they're almost one in the same, you know, because then I take the flip side of that. Then when you lose, you know, it, it was the fact that you got exposed in something and a technique that you were not. Uh, doing correctly so then you work feverishly to to correct that mistake and now you've made yourself a complete fighter and a well-rounded fighter but you never would have made that leap and that discovery had you not been exposed and had not that exposure been so traumatic to your being you wouldn't have taken it to the level that you needed taking it so you so it would never happen again you know so it, it it's it's like you know all you have is competing and on the scale of whether you, you know, you, the, on the scale of that experience is what we call winning of losing. You know what I'm saying? On that scale of, you know, whether you rate yourself good or bad it is on that scale of, of winning and losing. Sometimes you could, you could lose a fight, but still feel, you know, you won the fight. And you, and there's been times you walk out of a fight like, yeah, I lost, but I'm looking at that guy and he knows he he really lost, and the people who watch <laughs> yeah. that fight, they know he really lost. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we've seen and we've seen those fights, and we've seen those fights, and um, and then that happens when when you're able to go out there and you're able to compete from a place of of, of right here, and you say, 
I don't care what happened, but this 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 dude, this person in front of me, they're gonna feel me. They're gonna know they're in a fight. They're gonna know that, you know, um, whenever they get a call to fight, you know, me again, they're gonna always be like, oh, I don't know if I wanna do that again. I don't know if I wanna go through that again. You know, that's what I always wanted for them to be like, damn, I don't know if I want to go through that again. Is this something that you, um, when you're coaching these younger guys, is this something that you talk to them about? Because, you know, I think we're starting to see in the community, there's like um, sports psychologists involved, you know, people are now really starting to acknowledge that there's so much psychology behind fighting. You got to get your head right in order to do a good job in that cage. So do you, do you kind of preach this stuff to your guys? I do. I do. Um, I, I try to make it a point to, uh, to speak to them about it because a lot of them, you know, they, they have, uh, they feel it, but they just don't know if that makes them look weak. And especially with me who they know I've been on that line and, you know, a lot of times, you know, and, and, uh, and they don't want to think like, oh, Rashad's never felt like this. So I don't want to say nothing, you know? Sure. So I think um, when I start, when, whenever I express that to them, it allows the communication to be open between the two of them and, and allows us to have the dialogue and say the things that, that can help alleviate some of that psychological pressure that they may be feeling. Because at the end of the day, you know, um, it's just fighting and, and it's just, and it's something that, we all naturally know how, you know, the, the, like they know how to naturally do it. They've been training and training um, so that their mind can shut off and they can just react. And now as a coach or somebody who's in a corner, now I have to get them to believe that they've trained enough to shut off their mind to allow their body to just react. Yes. Man, you are good at this. So <laughs> since your retirement, you've worked the ESPN analyst desk and you seem to be in great shape, ready for war. And you're mentoring Kamaru Usman, who, you know, is obviously like in the mix right now. He's a total beast. Does seeing Kamaru's success make you like miss being in the center of all the action? Yeah, it does. I miss it. But at the same time, I'm, I'm just super excited for him. You know, uh, I think. I think um, for him to to be in a position that he's in there that he's in right now, it uh, it just makes me so proud of him on on so many levels because um, you know I, I watch him come up from the beginning like from the time where he could barely even throw a jab or you know a punch and looked like he was swatting flies when he threw a yeah. combination, you know that that's where. That's where I was used to seeing him from. And then now he's become such a professional and he's got, you know, amazing head, you know, amazing hands, amazing ability to, uh, to just fight and squabble. And it's something that, um, you know, it's something that I, I hope for him. But when you take someone under your wing and when you mentor someone, you, you never know what, what is, what is going to be. You never know how it's going to be. And you just hope that, that you pour enough into them where they're able to to get out of it what they want. Mm. And, and it has to be for them. It has to be for them. And there can't be any possession, you know, on my part to be like, I can't be tied to his success because that's for him. And right. that's for him. And, and and it's his time and it's and it's for him to make the choices 
what, what choices that he wants to make in his life. You know, and I can't be like, oh man, well you did this, you know, I did this for you. You know, it, it, it's his moment. It's his time mm-hmm. right now. And I'm just happy that I got to be a part of it in the capacity that I, I, I have been, you know? You're so great and so wise with this. You know, it's like, I, I, as you're describing it, I'm really kind of living it with you and understanding your perspective because you're the guy, I mean, you've, you've been in like the highest position you could have with the UFC being a hall of famer. And here you are still young and still in great shape and wanting to fight. And then, you know, you're coaching a guy who's in the scene, but you're selfless and wise and mature enough to say, you know, this is his moment. And so I'm going to pass on my wisdom and he's going to receive whatever he's willing to actually take in and yeah. just kind of pray for the best. That's, that's, that's about it. That, that's, and, and that's all you can do. You know, it's like, it's like, um, you know, I, I have a 21 year old child. And, and having a 21, she's a young adult now, but um, going through that experience, you learn that that it was all about letting go. Mm. And then you start to realize how much of life has just all been about just letting go. And each and every single phase that you go on in life, always the biggest test is, are you able to let it go now? So that's that's what that's what it, that's the way I look at it is the fact that yeah I, I've taken him as far as I can take him and he's been able to grow and flourish under that but I've taken him as far as I can take him and now I have to let it go and let it go in all capacities mm. you know yeah all right I want to switch gears now y'all know I love a good OG on the show I've stayed close with past guests Frank Shamrock and Boss Root and is still one of my favorite people because he is funny as hell he took over that show by the way when he came on I got through maybe a third of my run of show and <laughs> with his stories I just kind of let him roll and I'm like all right we'll have you back on because he's so charismatic mm-hmm. but I want to talk about you know of the greats of your time you know Chuck Liddell Rampage Jackson Tito Ortiz who have you stayed close with um, uh, Chuck Liddell is one of the guys who, who I, uh, I talked to, uh, a bit, you know, him and I was actually, we're actually supposed to do a, um, a tour together in Australia if, if traveling restrictions ever open up. Mm-hmm. But, um, Chuck is one of those guys that, um, you know, I, I have a good relationship with and, uh, a tremendous amount of respect for, you know, Chuck is, is an amazing human being. And, um, he's, he's, uh, he's one of those guys I like a lot. Uh, Randy Couture is another one. Oh, Randy's sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. Randy, Randy has been, Randy is, there's always like, you know, just, he always, always has that, that, that priceless, great advice for me. You know what I'm saying? That even when I was gonna, I told the story many times when I was going to fight Chuck Liddell, you know, he was one of the main reasons why. I, I felt like I was able to go out there and compete the way that I competed because he put it in a perspective in such a way that allowed me to mentally um, get myself to where, where I needed to in order to compete the way I needed to. Because he told me, he said, I, I was afraid of of something that I can't control, which is the outcome. And and he was And he was really the first one to really start to break down the ideology of letting go Hmm. and and that's one thing that um 
that I, that stuck with me my whole entire career. You know, he he told me he said the reason why I was afraid is because the reason why I was I was nervous is because I was afraid, and I was afraid because I was afraid of what the outcome is going to be. And then he told me that no matter what the outcome was going to be, life was still going to go on. And, everything and will be okay. Yeah. And everything will be okay. So the only thing that was holding me back was just, just, just mental, just mental because life was going to take care of itself 100% of the time. Yeah. But then it comes down to, but I really want this, you know? So then, yeah. then it's like, it's that struggle between, letting go versus maintaining control because of your wants you know that kid in you was like but i want it you know <laughs> well see and that's and that's the thing about it. it's like when you when you want it and you really want it then 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 if you let yourself go enough then you can have it even if you do not not get it the way you want it because like if you go all out and you just try to you like if you go all out and you don't and you don't get the win you can be even. You can be content with that. Even if even if you get knocked out, if you go out and you tried and you did everything, like you you went out on a sword, then then you then you have nothing to to be worried about ever. It's just mm -hmm. it's just what happens. It's just part of the sport. That's what and, I'm hearing from the fighters. It's kind of like, listen, if I gave it my all, I'm okay with the loss. Yeah, that's 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 a very important thing. You have to be okay with it because because when you give it your all and and that's one of the greatest things that my wrestling coach used to tell me I, my coach uh, in Michigan State his name was coach Minko hmm. he he would always try to tell me to um to not think about you know the game like like get caught up so much in, in the monotonous details of it you know about this and about that he said um focus on execution executing a technique being doing doing a technique perfect you know do it do it perfectly on a physical level but keep doing it over and over again in your mind and in your mind and when you get nervous about you know what your opponent's going to do or how you're going to feel or what's going to happen just mentally remember your technique and allow your technique to be the focus because once your technique is a focus then you allow yourself to to make it about execution rather than about being afraid of what your opponent's going to do, or 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 you get or you get caught in a position where you um you start watching too much. You know, you go get you get you go against a guy who's who's really good, like John Jones or Israel Adesanya, who can mystify you with their great movement. You know, you yeah. start watching them, but but when you get to the point where you are um where where you where you are on that level where you don't need to watch them. You just, you're doing your thing and they end up start watching you. We, I think all the listeners so know what you're talking about because we've seen those fights where yeah. it's really just kind of like a dance in circles because they're watching each other and no one's really yeah. ready to take on offense. You know, they're both right. kind of like in defense mode and, and they psych themselves out. That's all. That's 100% what it is. Absolutely, and I and I've been there. I've I've fought in fights like that where I'm just like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, all right. So, kind of an interesting question, and this is the first time I'm asking this, but given the the dynamics with these guys, I want to ask: Shag, Mary, Kill, okay, Anthony Smith, 
Mike Tyson and Rampage Jackson. What is that? So you got to choose who, and I understand you're, you're straight, obviously, but if you had to shag, marry, and kill each of these guys, who Oh my gosh, shag, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of, whoa, shag, marry, and kill. I don't know, man. Dude, that's that's a tough. That's a tough question. <laughs> I can't even. I can't. Even, I don't even know. How do you? How do I? How do I? How do I mentally put this into into perspective? Well, my guess would be that you would kill Rampage just because you guys <laughs> we had the beef before. Yeah, and then you'd marry Anthony Smith because you guys just have so much love there. Yeah, the and, yeah. and then with Mike. I mean, that's that's for you to fill in the slot. Would he be the one to shag? You guys got that energy. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good, pretty good breakdown. That's that's a that's a weird question. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think uh, I think you had a pretty good answer, though. All right, cool. Answer. So, okay, if there's one fight that you could do over again, what would that be? Mm, one fight I can do over again. Mm. Oh man, let me see here. Um, let me see. I, I guess, I guess it would be, uh, let me see. Oh man, what I can do over again? Just to, just to have the fight again? To just have, because you felt to, like maybe you didn't perform yeah. your best and, but you I've know had, you can take that guy I, down. It was just not your yeah, night. I've had, I've had, I have a few of those, you know, I would love to have the John Jones fight back again that mm-hmm. night. I felt as if like, uh, you know, you know, John Jones is is a man and has done, you know, some tremendous job inside the octagon. But I felt as if um I was able to 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 catch him with some shots that, that could have been able to do more, you know, could could have been able to do some things to him. Hmm. But um, you know, that was a fun fight too as well. Like I, I would love to have that one back again to be able to, to challenge myself and do that one. Mm, interesting. All right. How about one fight that you won and you were like, oh, thank you, sweet Jesus. I had my doubts about this one, but I did it. Oh, man. Oh, I, I had a few fights like that. Let me think. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I, I've had I've had a lot of a lot of split decisions that, that could have went that, that could have went either way. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's uh, let me think of one that was. I think I think the one with me and me and Dan Henderson was was close. You know, I didn't I didn't really know what was going to happen with that one until it was all over with because, you know, it was. Um, <laughs> I remember that fight. He caught me with a, a jab, and after that, I just really had a first a hard time with with just like uh, remembering what happened after that round. You know, so mm-hmm. when the fight ended, I was like, Did I win that fight or did I not win that fight? <laughs> I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember how the fight went. You know, I just was just fighting off of uh, instinct, you know? Mm. So what changes do you think we'll see as the sport continues to evolve? Um, I, I think that, you know, now uh, there's so much focus on fighters pay and fighter equality and things like that. So I think that something is... Um, is going to change in, in that capacity. You know, I feel as if like, uh, you know, it, with all that whole situation, you know, more and more fighters are starting to speak about it. 
because you know the top fighters, the fighters that are that are you know receiving the biggest pay. Now they're starting to speak about you know their discontentment with the whole thing. So now it makes it easier for fighters who are under them to now start to voice their concerns about not getting uh, compensated what they should be compensated. So I think at some point they're going to have to adjust uh, address that in in a serious kind of way. So Sugar Rashad Evans, we, I mean, I could talk to you for days. Um, what is next for you now? You're 40 years old. You're a UFC Hall of Famer. You're mentoring guys like Kamaru Usman. You know, you're out in the senior, you're an ESPN analyst. Like what's next? Um, I don't know. You know, I, I really don't, I really don't know what's next. You know, uh, you know, um, for a while I was thinking about competing again, but I mean, at this point, you know, I feel as if like that might not be the best thing for me. You know, I would rather uh, maybe spend my energy, um, you know, helping people pursue their dreams. Uh, I'm working with Trevor Whitman and Justin Gaethje, and we're working with uh, our equipment company called Onyx, trying to get that to um, the forefront. And that's and Onyx is pretty much a uh, equipment company, the MMA first equipment company. You know, the gear that we make is specifically geared and engineered for fighters to be able to take the bumps and bruises and things that we take in a fight you know a lot of the, for the most part the injuries happen in training you yeah. know what i would love to see for you though rashad is maybe some sort of i don't know like um fighter relations position within the ufc because you're so great at breaking things down and you just have this positive and calm energy about you and i feel like if there are if there is, if there are messages to be conveyed to the fight community within the UFC, you would be the guy to kind of get the message across and help them understand the importance of, you know, safety and contracts and whatever it is, you know, the whole spectrum. So I know that's kind of like a yeah out of left field and I have no authority on the matter, but I think you'd be so good at that. I think so. I think so too. Thank you very much. Um, I, and that's something that I, I would like to do. I would like to be able to, to be able to, to, um, help bridge that gap between, you know, the UFC and, and their, and their fighters. Cause there, there is a gap, you know, there, there is that gap. And I think that, um, I think that there is a way that it could be, that gap could be minimized. Uh, you know, Rashad, you are wonderful. I'd love to have you on the show again at some point in the future and, um, give us your Instagram handle so people know how to find you. Yes, you can find me uh, at Sugar Rashad Evans on IG. Um, check me out. Uh, I will post more. But uh, I want to thank everybody just for, um, you know, for the support and, and for the love, you know, uh, throughout the years. Everybody's just, just been awesome, and, and I appreciate that. You're the first person to have ever said that on my show, period. That's so sweet. Look, at of course, sweet sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, guys, you can find me at The Jenna Ben Show on Instagram and on YouTube. The show airs five times every week. First air is on Tuesday. All Pacific Standard Times as follows, 8 p.m. on Tuesday, Thursday at 9 a.m., Friday at 9 p.m., Saturday at 5 p.m., and Sunday at 7 p.m. Again, all Pacific Standard Times. If you need help converting the times, shoot me a DM. Uh, you can check out these times in my Instagram bio at The Jenna Ben Show. Thanks again for tuning in. I love the support, and we'll see you all next week.